Hi, and welcome to Bread. We're a newish, open-minded, spirit-filled, non-denominational church who now meet each week in Hollywood Adventist on the corner of Hollywood Boulevard and Van Ness in Los Angeles. In-person church life, as with the rest of life, it's going to take a while to find its shape again post-Covid, and slowly and surely is going to be our mantra for a while. All these podcasts are taken for the time being from our Sunday services, hence the not always perfect audio quality and background noises. You can live stream them or watch the videos later on bread.church if that's more your thing. How to return is the theme of the current series. We hope it serves you well. Good morning. It's so good to have you with us. If we haven't met before, my name is Raul, and I work here at Bread, and it's just so great to be with you guys this morning. Um, Congratulations to any graduates. Um, I've been to countless graduation parties this weekend and last weekend, and so if you graduated, congratulations. Um, Round of applause to you. Yeah. Um, If you've been with us the last couple weeks, you'll notice that we have been in a series called Return, kind of just coming back to the core aspects of our faith. We started off with Return to Jesus, and we did a message on returning to community. Last week, we did one on returning to worship. Well, today, it's Pentecost, so we're going to talk about returning to the Spirit. And so we'll be looking at Acts uh, chapter 2. Um, traditionally, Acts has been called the Acts of the Apostles, but more accurately, it is the Acts of the Spirit, because behind everything the Apostles do, we find the Spirit is at work. Um, and so this is Acts 2. It is the fulfillment of the promise spoken of by Jesus and the prophets. It's a promise that God would send his Spirit to fill his people so they can be who God created them to be as his sons and his daughters. And so this is how Luke tells it. This is Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. It says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment. Because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all those who are speaking Galileans? How is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Uh, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. 
amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? However, some of them made fun and said, they have had too many mimosas. (laughs) Uh, This is a pretty famous passage, and it marks the birth of the church, and it highlights something for us. That the essential element in the Christian life is the spirit, and life without him makes it pretty impossible. It's like that time I ruined Ashley's French beef stew. She had spent hours cooking this dish, and one hour before it was ready, she asked me to put vegetables in it and put it back in the oven. So like a good husband, I did. And into the oven it went. And when she came back to check on it after an hour or so, she found that the oven was turned off. I had put it in the oven without realizing that I had subconsciously turned the oven off, just out of habit. And so the dish sat in a cold oven. But the dish was all there. All the ingredients were there. The pot was where it was supposed to be. But there was an essential element missing, the heat to cook it all. And no amount of beef and wine is any good if there is no heat if, if the cooking hasn't happened. But I, think, I find that even in our Christian journey, it's possible to do all the right things and yet miss the essential thing. I find that this could often be the case for us. We may be in the right place, we may have the right ingredients, we may do all the right things, and yet still miss an essential element, the Spirit, to empower us for it all. And I don't mean to say that the Spirit is something we pick up and add to our inventory. He's not an object we possess. Rather, he's a person that we give ourselves over to. So the Spirit um, is not an optional accessory, but he's core to our Christian faith. But the Spirit is often misunderstood, You know, of the three persons of the Godhead, the Spirit is the one that, you know, doesn't get invited out to coffee or doesn't get invited to dinner. The Spirit is left out, missed, often forgotten. And so very quickly, I want to mention, you know, a few things that the Spirit is not. First, the Spirit is not a force. He's not an energy. He's not a vibe. Um, He's not a vortex. The Spirit is is a person that wants to be known intimately because God is relational. And the Spirit is not possessive, as, you know, we may have seen or may have heard. Uh, The Spirit will not completely overtake a person and make that person like a robot. You know, the Spirit is respectful, leaving us in full control of our being while still giving us glimpses of his incredible power. Lastly, the Spirit is not for a special few. If you are human, if you are breathing, then the Spirit is for you. The Spirit isn't only for church leaders, but for the congregation as well. He's for people who are weak, people who are strong, people with lots of money, people with no money. He's for immigrants and indigenous, for the educated, the uneducated, for people who speak Spanish, Cantonese, English, and everything else. The Spirit is for everyone. 
And that Pentecost is about the Spirit being poured out on everyone. For those that are near to God, those that are far from God, he is poured out on everyone, which really does mean anyone who wants him. And so to illustrate this point, I've got this little table here with some nice shot glasses and everything else. But I want to illustrate this point um, using these kettles here. So I've got a coffee kettle. Uh, This is called a gooseneck um, because it is used for very precise pouring. And the traditional understanding of the Spirit is that the Spirit is only for clergy. The Spirit is only for professional Christians, for the theologically trained. But what Pentecost tells us, what, what Pentecost shows us in Acts 2, is that the Spirit, and I'm going to make a mess here, But the Spirit is for everyone. That the Spirit is for men, women, for rich, for poor, for people who speak, uh, you know, every language. The Spirit is poured out on everyone. This is what Acts 2 is about. This is what Pentecost is about. The Spirit is poured out without reservation. And if we are to be the people that God has created us to be, that God has called us to be, then we're going to need the Spirit. And so today, I'd like to give us this invitation. Let us return to the Spirit. We don't need to return to the Spirit in the sense that, you know, God has hightailed it for the next town. He's gone to Vegas. No, what I mean is... Let us open ourselves again to the Spirit. And we need to return to the Spirit because you and I, we, we leak the Spirit. There are several uh, biblical images for humans. We are like grass, here today and gone tomorrow. We are like sheep, wandering and in need of the one who will look over us. We're also like clay pots, imperfect, polluted, and vandalized by sin and death. We are cracked pots that leak the Spirit. And so we need to be filled again and again and again. And this is what the scriptures call us to, to an ongoing refilling. It's not just a one and done deal, you know, we, we leak and so we have to come back again. And if you need any convincing of this, just ask the person closest to you. Um, Ashley can tell when I've been leaking the spirit. You know that list of the fruits of the spirit out of Galatians? It's, you know, you see them on, in people's kitchens or in church hallways. It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, all these things that sound really good but are so difficult to do. Well, the first to go when I'm drained of the Spirit is gentleness because I can be so cold. How cold? Ice cold. <laughs> gentleness is the, first to, is the first one out the window. But on a serious note, when I feel drained of the Spirit's presence, I feel like giving up. 
When I've been leaking the Spirit's presence, I feel like throwing in the towel on faith. And this year has been rough for many of us, and myself included. I've never been more confused and disoriented. Just this year alone, I've questioned whether faith is worth it. Whether or not I should be doing this. I'm in seminary, and this has been the hardest year for me mentally and academically. I've been grieved by the pain of black and Asian communities. The insurrection has left me feeling violated. And I lost an aunt to COVID. And some of us, we share in this pain. And for others, there is pain that is so deep beneath the surface. But I think... More than anything, this year has produced doubt in us. I've, it could be that we've doubted ourselves, that we've doubted our leaders, that we've doubted church, that we've doubted even God. And in some ways, we need to doubt. You know, for example, you should doubt the claim that says the Spirit is no longer at work. You know, you should doubt the version of Christianity that so confidently claims who's in and who's out. However, there are other doubts more core to us, doubts that are deep within our beings that the Spirit wants to speak to directly. I was praying for someone at our church just before the pandemic um, shut our doors, and I sensed that God was affirming this person. And so I shared a picture that I had of a paper plane that, you know, was attempting to fly, but every time it flew, it just took a dive again and again. And then I saw that same paper plane kind of take a new shape. And when it flew, it went the distance and it even climbed. And later on, I found that this person was doubting themselves. And that they were feeling quite broken like that, you know, first paper plane. And they felt like they were just taking dives and taking dives. And, And what I sensed God was saying was that, He was affirming his presence with this person, that he loves this person. And so the point of the story isn't, look at how good I am at praying. No, the point of the story is that God, even in our doubt and fear, that the Spirit brings comfort and assurance. This is who he is. This is what he does. And a few years ago, I was mentoring a young man, um, And he was going through the ringer. He was going through a pretty rough time in his life. His dad had left him and his mom, and his friends had turned their back on him. And um, his mom was working several jobs just to take care of them. And so really just rough circumstances. And I had the opportunity to pray with him, and, and I felt God had given me a picture for this young man. Um, and it was of him kind of just as a child holding this teddy bear across his chest. And what I sensed was that God was saying that he didn't need to be afraid of losing anything else. And at that moment, I, I can just tell that the spirit was meeting with him. Tears began rolling down his face. And he looked over at me and he said, Raul, God is real. God is real. 
No one else could have known this. No one else could have spoken directly to this. And so the point is, again, that even in our doubt, even in our fears, that the Spirit brings comfort and assurance. And so what are we doubting today? What doubts do we have deep within us? As we return to the Spirit, let us bring our doubts and fears and allow him to infuse our whole beings, our, our, our mind, our body, our, our spirit with his presence. Because one thing that the Spirit loves to do is he loves to remind us of who we are. He loves to remind us of who we are. He loves to remind us that we're loved. When culture and society is challenging the value and worth of people, the Spirit comes not to tear down, but to build up. To say, hey, I love you. Hey, you're special. And as we, um, and as we come into this love, it's not a love that can just be communicated intellectually. It's not a love that can just be communicated verbally. It's a love that has to be experienced. It's a love that has to be known. It's a love that has to be felt. And as we experience his presence, he pours his love out over us again and again and again until we make a mess like I just did there. Um, And he calls this daughter and he calls this son. And so God really loves you and he's not ashamed about it. And if we ever find ourselves questioning that, I mean, we can just look to the cross. Another thing the Spirit does is he reminds us of who God is. He he shows us his power to sustain us, his power to renew us, his power to shed anything that isn't of him. His power to change us inside and out. And when we... And the Spirit is extremely powerful, and when we open ourselves to Him, He deposits that power. And so when we feel like giving up, when we feel like, you know, calling it quits, let's come and let the Spirit fill us again. That the Greek word to describe the power of God is dynamos. It's the It's the root word for our word dynamite. The power of God, dynamos. It's it's a power that can completely change and shift even the most solid and immovable things in our lives within a moment. This is what the Spirit does. And when we experience the Spirit, we do so with our senses. If if you notice in, in Acts 2, it doesn't say that the Spirit is the wind. It doesn't say the Spirit is the flaming tongues. But the Spirit is likened to the sound wind makes and the flames a fire produces. The the apostles in the community, they hear something. They hear the gust of wind. They see something. They see tongues of fire. And they are filled. They feel something. They're they're drenched. The the language kind of denotes a, a kind of deluge, a tropical storm. They're, they're filled, they, they sense this. And when I hear people talk about their experience of the Spirit, 
they often describe it as a weighted blanket that just resonates heat and resonates love so palpable it just melts away shame and guilt. And so these are the, these are the um, experiences that the Spirit brings. The Spirit brings new praise as, as we find ourselves experiencing the Spirit, kind of just like a new song rises in us. We hear prophetic utterances. We, we hear exactly what God wants to say. We hear God saying exactly what it is that we need to hear. And we see miraculous wonders. You know, people can be healed in this kind of environment of emotional pain, of physical pain. There's a church down the street um, in Echo Park and during the 20s, there was, a, there was a big move of God that was happening, and people were experiencing the Spirit in powerful ways. And, and doctors would come and evaluate people who claimed they had been, they had been healed. And um, there's a museum there, and you can go and check it out, and you, you'll find these cabinets with uh, glass over them, and there's a little plaque um, next to crutches and braces and eyeglasses and, and it's people's testimony of how they've been healed by the Spirit of God. And this stuff is, isn't just for then, but it happens now. And these experiences can be great and, and they're important and we need them, but it doesn't just stop for us. It doesn't just stop for us or with us. These experiences, these experiences, they propel us into our calling. They're, they're not meant to stay with us. They're not meant to, you know, just be hoarded in by, by us. They're, they're meant to go out from us. They're, 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 meant to, they're meant to propel us into living out our calling. Um, and Ed's going to talk more about this next week. But as we experience the Spirit, we do so so that we can engage the world so that we can be Jesus to the world. And so we need not be afraid knowing that God uses these experiences, but it shouldn't be about chasing the signs. It's about coming again to the Spirit over and over. Um, and to, to end, I'd like to pose this question out of Galatians. It says, after beginning by the means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? In 2018, when I first arrived at Bread, um, I was invited by a, a close friend. Um, I had found myself doing exactly that, exactly what that passage was saying. I had begun kind of this Christian journey with the Spirit, but around that time I had found myself kind of relying on my own ability. Um, and so I know what it's like to, to experience this firsthand. I, I, I tried to do this Christian life on my own, and it left me frustrated and exhausted and full of doubt because I was missing the Spirit. I was missing 
the essential ingredient. I was missing the core aspect of our faith. And so when I, I remember visiting Brett for the very first time, and I sat in the back because I, I didn't want to be noticed and get out um, because I'm an introvert. And so during the break, I would have gone to the bathroom um, because that's just who I am. But anyways, I remember getting prayed for and, and what was spoken or what was said was exactly what I needed to hear. Um, it felt like God kind of just putting his finger on, you know, the doubt, on the fear, on the pain and saying, hey, I, I see you. I see you. And God reminded me of his, of his love for me, and he assured me of his presence, and, and God affirmed that I was where I was supposed to be in his presence, that this is where I'm supposed to be. This is where I'm meant to be. This is where we're meant to be, in the presence of God, and in, in communion with God, and in relationship with God. And, and I remember just being in that place, being in that moment, and my fears and my doubts, they kind of just faded to the background. Whereas when I had come into church, they were at the forefront of my mind. And they kind of just, it's almost like they lost power, like they just faded. And so in our doubt and fear, the Spirit brings us comfort and assurance. This is what he does. This is what he loves to do. Um, and if I can have the band come up to the front we're going to end here but this year has kind of left us feeling all like we've been at sea like we've been trying to navigate these rough waters and and it feels like everywhere we look like there's a new you know wave coming in and we're drenched and we're tired and we're confused and we're exhausted and we've trying to maybe we've Try to do this on our own. I mean, I certainly have. And so today, let us, let us return to the Spirit. Let us come back to him and allow him to refill us, allow him to rebuild us, allow him to sustain us, because this is what he wants to do. This is who he is. So the band is going to play. My mic just cut out for a second there. I'm back. Um, the band is going to play a song. But I, I would invite us to stand um, and to worship and simply just ask, God, what is it that you're saying? What is it that you're wanting to do? Because God loves to meet with us. God loves to speak to us. And so as we go into a new song, let us just, let us just be real with him. This is the formal end to our service, but we're going to be here. Um, we're going to pray for people as we always do at the end of every service. And if you would um, like to come up for prayer, we simply are just opening ourselves to the Spirit. We don't have to come in with an excuse or with a draft of what it is that we need to say to God. We just come, open ourselves. We, we open our hands. There's no magic behind it, but 
just as a sign of openness. It's, it's a posture to receive. Um, and if there are any uh, prophetic words that were spoken earlier today that maybe it resonate with you, then that's a good indicator that, hey, God wants to say something to you. God is highlighting something for you. Um, and so we're going to carry on playing, um, and we are going to be praying for people here in the front. So in your own time when you're ready.